So I'm going to go ahead and start. You guys come in and out. It's not going to offend me if you have to take care of whatever you need to take care of. It's not going to offend me if you're on your laptop the whole time. I mean, just do what you need to do to take care of yourself this morning. It's the week before Christmas holidays. We're all kind of crazy and to do a workshop first thing in the morning. I can't even imagine. Although, I do think it's better than the very end of the day because you guys get out at, what, 4 o'clock? And nobody wants to stay that long. So, anyway, I am Shelly Fryer. Um, I am connected with A+. Um, I've been an A-plus fellow for three years. That really doesn't say much <laughs> other than we're an A-plus school. Um, I teach at Positive Tomorrows. Uh, I don't know if you know where Positive Tomorrows is, but Positive Tomorrows is an um, elementary school. It's a private, nonprofit school for homeless children. So 100% of my students in my classroom are homeless. Homelessness looks very different. Um, some of my kids come from the shelters, get kids from City Rescue Mission and Salvation Army, from the YWCA, which is a center for domestic violence. Um, I get kids in transitional housing, so um, mostly mothers. I don't have very many dads involved. Um, so the transitional housing, a lot of them are what, in what we call the reemerge program. And so their mothers, um, rather than going into the prison system, are opting to go into a treatment center. And so in this treatment center, they can stay and live with their kids um, while they're going through treatment for either alcohol. Most of the time, it's drug or alcohol offenses. And so if the mother will complete that program, then her sentencing is deferred. So I have kids that are in that program. Um, and so at our school, we are a private school. However, um, all of our kids come to us from the public school system. So at City Rescue Mission, they are in um, Wilson District. Some of the kids can go to John Rex or they can come to us. We are not a long-term solution. So the students in our um, school and currently, we usually average between 65 and 70 students we are pre-K through fifth grade. I teach third and fourth grade. Um, so most of my students this year are third graders. Majority of our students are at least a year, if not two years behind developmentally. Um, our goal at our school is to get them caught up as quickly as possible. It may not be possible, but we're not a long-term, so kids don't come to us in pre-K and stay with us till fifth grade. The maximum, the mostly they stay with us is like two years. Sometimes it's two weeks. So just currently this year, I started with 17 students, and um, I have four of those left from the beginning of my classroom. Just this past month, I have lost six students and gained four. So I feel like right now, I am just starting basically from scratch again almost. Um, so anyway. That's positive tomorrow. It is a wonderful place. It is a happy place. I don't know, Jennifer Marshall, um, yes, I know, her wonderful family and her wonderful kids, and um, she is our family support director. So she handles all of the family support because when students come into positive tomorrow, um, 
they are assigned a family case manager. So that case manager is full-time and supports the family. So Jennifer Marshall runs this organization part where supporting the families. We're not only working with the children, we're working with their families. Our kids um, get counseling support on-site if needed. Sometimes they have that outside. Um, and you know what? And it's really important in what we're going to talk about today for you to have that background knowledge because what I'm going to show today is probably different from any A-plus workshop that you've had. I know because we're currently, it's just all in development. Um, Positive Tomorrows is a one-to-one um, -one iPad school. So I've been teaching, I'm looking for my little fancy QR codes. This is a QR code. It'll take you to this presentation. I don't do handouts necessarily, although you could print all of this out if you wanted, but if you're curious into anything that I'm doing, saying you want to go back and look at something, it's going to be on this. You can also find it on my website, which is on there. There's also a shortened URL link that'll get you there. But anyway, so you want to pass these around if you have them. It's a sticker. Stick it on a piece of paper or throw it away, whatever. So anyway, it's important because we have been a one-to-one -one iPad school for four years now. So when I walked into the building the first year, I had been out of teaching for, oh, <coughs> stayed home to be a mom. I started working at a church and, and um, children's ministry. And then I found Positive Tomorrows. And the minute I walked in the door, I said, if you ever need a teacher, call me because I'm open. And then they called me that summer. So anyway, I went back into the classroom. When I left the classroom in public education, we had computer labs, but we didn't have a desktop computer in our classroom. Nothing was digital. You know, the, the computer teacher did some things. Um, so the workshop that I'm going to give you today is on enriched assessment and how you can use technology to do that. Now, I've talked to your principal. Um, I know you guys have an, a Chromebook cart. Um, I know that possibly you're getting four iPads. Um, my suggestion to her was, because I asked, are you going to keep those in the media center? Are you going to make those available for checkout for your teachers? And she was like, is she here? No. <laughs> All right. Um, I've only talked to her on the But I suggested, hey, what we're doing today, what I'm going to give you today is something that you could do with one iPad. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is just because I have one-to-one -one iPad, just because I'm using iPads, I also use Chromebooks. I own a Chromebook. I work from my Chromebook. I'm completely Chrome and Google. Everything I do, I have a desktop computer in my classroom that I put up on the projector. That's a pretty much the extent of what I use it for. I use my Chromebook laptop most of the time to do everything else that I do. All of my lesson plans are digital. All of them are connected to media links. We don't have textbooks. We follow the curriculum standards, but I have no curriculum guide. I have no textbook. I have no. I have complete autonomy, which is awesome, and I love it. However, it's very frustrating because you're out there doing it all yourself, right? So I got heavily involved in digital resources and things in the beginning, and now. I'm making and creating. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. Hey, how are you? So today, technology projects for enriched assessment. So I'm just going to, the easiest thing to do when you're doing something technology is to overwhelm people. 
because you'll look at people and you think they're going, I know nothing about the life I don't even oh and how and and you just zone out. I didn't think I did either. I didn't think I mean I had an iPad but I watch Netflix on it, right? And do my email and my Facebook and stuff like that. What I am here to advocate for teachers and educators is open up your mind to see how making and creating with technology is something that we can all do. It's not hard. We're going to start right at the beginning. So absorb. But if you take anything away today at the end of this workshop, open up your mind to think of the possibilities that I could create something with my students, authentically with my students. I can share it with my students in my classroom or I can share it outside my classroom. I could share it as a link with my parents. I could even maybe put it on YouTube, on a YouTube channel. So we're going to talk about inside and outside sharing. We're going to talk about how you can use technology and everybody hold your breath because I was, I was telling the people in the beginning, I am so comfortable telling you about and sharing about what I do in my classroom. These wires and stuff like that, that's where it gets difficult for me. So anyway, I'm Shelley Fryer. You can find me on Twitter, at S. Fryer. How many of you are on Twitter? <laughs> Number one, I highly suggest you take the leap. I only use Twitter professionally. I have, uh, that is my, I work with four teachers in my building, four. We never get to see each other. So my professional learning community is on Twitter. They don't care what I had for breakfast, but they might care about the project and this project that I'm sharing today. So that's what I do on Twitter. So take the leap, get on there. There's a whole group, if you are into hashtags, OklaEd. Oklahoma has a phenomenal teacher <coughs> following. We hear only the negative things about teaching in Oklahoma. But I can tell you, there are exciting things happening in education. There are teachers out there doing amazing projects with their students and amazing things in the classroom. Norman, public schools, one-to-one -one iPads, grades three through six, starting next year. Enid whole district, one-to-one. -one. There are districts in Oklahoma that are doing some fabulous things. K-20 Center doing a lot of neat things and helping teachers learn to integrate technology into their classrooms. Uh, all right, so this is me. Get on Twitter. Follow the hashtag OklaEd. Find your out. All right, again, um, if you haven't, there's a baggie of... QR codes that gives you this QR code that will take you straight to this presentation. I don't do printed handouts. Yes? I don't even know how to do it. All right. Uh, all right. Are you using an iOS? Do you have an iPhone? Yes. All right. Download the app Enigma. Okay. Enigma is the best QR code reader out there. It, it reads pretty well. You could read it from here. You could read it on that. I use Enigma in my classroom all the time. That's another thing that's awesome. My students, that's our number one go-to app. We read QR codes all the time. This is how I get them where I want them to go. We don't do live searches on the Internet. You know, there's a safety factor that we have to be, and that's a whole other workshop. 
But um, QR codes, easiest way to get students to go where you need them to go on the internet. They don't even know they're in the internet. They just think they're on their iPad. All right, so iEnigma. I would get out of my presentation, but I'm afraid I couldn't get back there quickly. You got it? Sweet. All right. You learned something today. Da da. You can go home <laughs> because that—that that is huge. QR code readers are huge. There's so many needs. Oh my goodness! All this art you guys have got in the—I could show you how you can take that art, connect it to a student voice, parents shine their QR code on there, and hear their own child describing what they were thinking when they made that. Boom! I'll teach you how to do that today. All right. So um, this is my blog. I blog infrequently, but this is my last one, and I was very passionate when I wrote it. This is, um, I'm working with A plus to try to get a technology 101. It's here, people. It's not going away. We want to figure out how to use these devices to help students to make and create, not to consume. There's a lot of things that we can consume on here, reading apps and spelling apps and things like that. But making and creating is where we need to be because that's how we're going to showcase student learning. Just like the artwork that you're hanging up, just like the books that you're writing in your classroom, all of that can be done digitally and then shared out, either shared inside your classroom or shared outside your classroom. This is, um, so this is just my thoughts on Technology 101. And, the, and so there's a lot of resources in there. Um, so we're working with a group, a team of people at A+. I don't know when it will be available, but we're just kind of touching on it now. So figuring out what's essential, right? And those seven essentials. All right, so the big shift is learning to use technology for making and creating. Learning to use technologies to showcase students what do you know. Something I say in my classroom all the time, show me what you know with media. This is one of my, I keep grabbing these because I got these in my, these are in my stations, in my classroom. Show me what you know. Here are three apps that you can choose to do that with. Show me what you know. And then I use that for assessment. Okay. So show me what you know using media. So that's what I Think we need to do and shift in education is to not recreate the wheel. I don't teach a technology lesson. I don't teach a technology class. I don't teach a technology whatever. I teach reading. I teach math. I want them to use technology to amplify what they know in those specific subject areas. Okay? And then be able to share that with them and to share it with parents. Uh, so here is the enriched assessment one of those seven A-plus essentials that we're going to look at today. It is so much more than that, though. So much more than that. All right. Um, this is my husband, by the way. Um, we work on um, a lot of different things. Um, we do a three-day iPad media camp where we're specifically using iPads to make and create and show you how to do that and show you how you can do that with your students. Kind of the lesson cycle, you all have a lesson cycle that you do, whether you're formally thinking about it or not. Um, and so this is kind of the lesson cycle that we've kind of honed in on, design. Design your lesson. Right now I'm teaching the best Christmas pageant ever. I've got all kinds of cool resources that I'm doing in the classroom. So I'm designing the best Christmas pageant ever reading unit and lesson and activities that I want to do with my students. And then part of that is 
I'm going to create some opportunities for them to showcase what they know using the digital. So I'm teaching a lesson. I'm designing my lesson. And then I'm just going to enter in, kind of like you do for art activities or whatever, where are you going to put and integrate that art lesson or that math in so that you have STEM or whatever it is. So then you begin to create opportunities to use the technology. So the technology is not the main focus. It's the actual design of the lesson that you already have. So number one, don't think you're going to create, have to create something new. Start with what you already have. Those awesome lessons that you've already been doing and you're just going to interject something, little piece in it that might be digital. Okay. Um, so another thing that is a big challenge when you're working with digital, whether you're on your Chromebooks or you're on your iPad or you're on your phone, if you have an iPhone, I can show you two things you can take into your classroom right now this afternoon and do. Easy peasy. But where are you going to put it, right? Um, so one of the apps that I'm going to show you today that you can access on any device is called Seesaw. It is a digital learning portfolio, so I'm going to show you that. But that is something when you start doing digital, you have to be kind of intentional about where am I going to put this? Is it going to be in a link? Is it going to be saved um, in the cloud? Is it going to be saved on my device? How am I going to get that to my parents so that they can see it? Um, so you have to kind of begin thinking about how you're going to share that inside your building and then how you're going to share it outside of the building with all the other digital safety and all of that that goes with it. And it's not anything to be scared about. It's just you just kind of have to know what are those channels set up, either you personally or for your school. So inside and outside sharing is important. I'm going to talk to you, and y'all won't help me watch the time. And I know some of you have to leave early, so not, none of that's going to bother me. Do what you need to do, all right? And ask questions whenever, too because I get excited about what I'm doing and then I lose track of time. What I want to talk to you first about is um, my husband and his show um, with media um, has a hundreds of examples of digital media and projects that you can access. I do some of these, but I'm going to start today with some of the level one stuff. Some of the stuff that's just easy. One iPad in the classroom, maybe your iPhone in your pocket, Digital media that you could do, it's just a level one, just really simple. You know, those quick wows, like you go, wow, that's cool. All right, okay, you know, what next? But they're powerful, and I'll show you how I'm using them in the classroom. Also, some level two. Seesaw has changed the way I do everything. I started using it last year. It's a digital portfolio. It is so streamlined, easy to use. It'll help you document... Um, your skills, your standards. It gives you a place to put things that's offline, that's not on your device. It invites parents in. It's free, which is awesome. It works on a Chromebook. It works on your desktop computer. It works on your iPhone. It works on your iPad. It's just digital, and it's just a place where you put things. Think of it as a filing cabinet. We'll go over it more in depth later. There are some level three projects. These usually involve a couple apps, if you've heard the term app smashing usually involve, but they're not hard. Just because it says level three doesn't mean hard. It just means it requires just a little more digital comfort level, just a little more digital awareness. Maybe your kids are probably doing this all the time already. And that's another thing. Don't wait till you feel comfortable with it. Jump right into some of these projects. Chances are the kids take to it so fast, 
And I'll tell you what, it's powerful to be a learner with your students. <coughs> it's very powerful to know, hey, I don't know anything about this, but I saw it, it was cool, and we're going to do it. You know, kids get into that, especially when you put them in the role of the expert. Um, and then there's some level four apps and, you know, iMovie trailers. You've probably seen them. Stop motion movies. My kids started this week one, making stop motion movies, saving it to their seesaw. It's not hard. I can show a kindergarten one. It's called Coma Coma. Knock your socks off. Easy, but so fun. Um, so anyway, just because they're level four, again, doesn't mean they're difficult. It just means it, it may be more app smashing than you're ready for, but... So anyway, we've kind of leveled those out. All right, so a project one um, project, a digital project. Um, you know the KWL, I had to stop and rant. But as far as assessment goes, these projects can be used either to gain whatever knowledge your students have right now, can help you decide what it is that want to know, or you can use them to showcase what they've learned. You could do that with a bubble test, or you could do that with a book that you've made, or you could do that with an art project, but this is going to document it so that you can go back to it, show it to parents, show it to the kids, they can see it at home. Even my students, um, even my students have devices. You know, even my students have their iPhone that's all cracked and broken, but it still works, and they want to get on and see their project on that phone when they're at McDonald's or wherever they're connected to the free Wi-Fi, you know? So it's powerful at whatever age they are. All right. Started doing a radio show. How many of you listen to podcasts? Anybody listen to podcasts? Anybody created a podcast? Created a radio show? This is the easiest thing. You think, whoa, that's too fancy for me. Seriously, I do the whole thing. I don't know where my phone is right now. I do the whole thing for my iPhone. I don't even use my iPads. I record it. I edit it. I share it. Everything. One app on my iPhone um, with my kids. And this is it. Um, Opinion. This is the app that I use. I use it on my phone. It is free. Again, everything I do is free. Um, mostly. Okay. Um, and the cool thing about this is I create it and I upload it. They house it. I don't have to have a special place to put it. It's automatically, when you set up an account with them, they have it. And then they give you a link that you can email to your parents or put in your Seesaw digital portfolio or whatever you want to do with it. Make a QR code out of it so that parents can send their, that. I mean, you know, so this is it. I'm going to show this to you. Hopefully. Now I'm going to go back. Open the link. There's a picture, picture, picture. Ah, da, 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 da. All right, y'all, bear with me here. There it is. Oh, let me give you a quick background knowledge. We did a big bat unit. It was like my dive into PBL, project-based learning. Have y'all done that? And then this is taking it a step farther. So this is at the end of the unit where I'm trying to gauge what the students have learned. And so you'll hear our intro music. You'll hear our question for the day and the students. 
Now, the students are just telling me what they learned. When I listen to it, I'm listening to how does this assess what we've just done. We focused a lot on vocabulary and how to use that vocabulary. So as you're listening to this, think of it as you're a teacher, not as a parent waiting for your student's voice that is so cute, but as a teacher, what do you hear if you were assessing this, all right? If it's gonna work. And there's my phone.
Excellent. Brianna did a great job on that because she wasn't even here during our research, but that is something that she learned from our paper slide video. So, so proud of her. Hi, my name is Shelly Fryer, and we spent three weeks in room 108 studying about bats. And we had an awesome time at the end of our study um, doing bat <coughs> So we learned a lot of neat things about bats, but most especially we found out how important bats are to our environment and how bats are definitely our friends. It is something that we need to control our insect population. They are the world's only flying mammal. They are very special creatures and we hope that by listening to this podcast and by watching our paper slide video that you will be inspired to learn more about that. Thank you for listening. <laughs> All right. So, turn to your neighbor, talk about what is the value of doing a project like that? What is the value of doing a project like that? I'm going to give you maybe 30 seconds a minute. <laughs> All right. Is anybody willing to share either how somebody else saw that or you? Or maybe be able to give me an example of how this might be used in your own classroom? Anybody? You don't have to share your own idea. You can share your partner's idea. Yes. Uh -huh. Have the parents listen to this? Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh -huh. To challenge parents to partner, yeah, and to learn that. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, remember, you don't have to have a lot of special devices. I do this whole thing on my iPhone using my opinion app, which is right there next to Facebook. If you don't have an eye, you're not an eye person. You're not an eye person. Right. Can you do this or not? There are other apps that, yes, you can use. There's one that I used before I had Opinion. It's called Voice Record Pro. It's similar. Yeah, Voice Record Pro. And you, in fact, you can put a picture with it just like that. So it is a way to audio record. It's also a free app. It's very, it, just because it says Pro doesn't mean it's difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but Voice Record Pro is a great app that can be used that way. Yes. So what were your procedures, your actual, like, were all the kids sitting in the I mean, I teach kindergarten. Yes. So yes. what I need to, <laughs> they won't be quiet while the other people are talking. So what I bring them, so anyway. You would be surprised. Now, agreed. And I do this the first, this is the first digital project I do with my kids. I start my morning every day with morning meeting. And then especially in the beginning, we have a closing meeting as well. So I usually do... A, a podcast like this at the end of the day to try to because it does bring them together 
It calms them down. We sit in a circle. We're all, they know I'm recording, so they know they're going to be heard. And so I'm always surprised at how quiet they get. So um, we have a piece of paper that they write on. I laminate it with a dry erase marker that gives them that lead-in talk. You know, that, hey, this is, it's the same every time, and I choose a different person to do that lead-in. It's important and valuable to me because I've lost Gabrielle now. She moved two weeks ago, and so I may not ever see her again, but we have her voice archived, and she is a part of our classroom family forever now. Um, so they do the lead-in. As a class, we decide on the question of the day is... It's either our character traits that we're working on, it was a difficult day, a special guest we had. If you go to my website, Shelly Fryer, um, no, it's classroom.shellyfryer.com. Our radio show is on there, and you can listen to every one that we've ever done. Um, we process that. Sometimes I come up with a question of the day because I need to assess where we are and what we're doing. Um, I'm assessing literacy, oral literacy skills. Let me see if I can get to that slide. Um, Communication skills are huge. The two students that talked about the bat detector and talked about the student that got into the crevices and whatever, those two students are reading at a first grade level. First grade level. When I, I mean, we're working on letter recognition and sight words. That's where they are developmentally in their learning. However, do you think that they know something about bats? Absolutely they do. And so to be able to express that orally and fluently, we work a lot, and you would at kindergarten too, about repeating back. The most important thing that I learned today was da-da-da, because da-da-da. We practice that procedure all the time because I want them to be able to formulate a complete sentence and then hopefully later be able to write that complete sentence. But there's a lot of skills that it takes to say something and then to spell it out and to write it and everything. So I am assessing their oral fluency. I'm assessing their organization of ideas. None of that is scripted. None of those. In fact, whenever I script answers or we come up with specific, it always sounds robotic. It is never natural. The best things come out. And now some of those kids are reading way above grade level, but their oral fluency skills just aren't there yet. So there's multiple things that I'm assessing when I'm doing this. Their writing skills... This, these pictures right here, this is a podcast that we planned. Most of ours aren't in depth. They're mostly sitting in a circle. Have a child read that, or I do it if, you know, they, they can say this in their sleep now. They don't have to read the lead-in, you know, and answer the question of the day. They know the pattern. We've set that pattern up. Hello, my name is Shelly, and the most important thing that I have learned, and so we set that pattern, we practice that, we listen to it. The first thing we do when we sit down together is listen to the podcast we just did. At first, they're all, oh, I sound weird, oh, I'm funny. And then, after a while, they get used to it. We talk about speaking loudly and clearly. You know, so there's a lot of skills that I'm using to assess that. And in this one, they were actually, we were dividing the segments out, and each student group came up with their own question, and then they were polling their friends, and so they had set up their question of the day, and so the students went around in groups and wrote the answers for that student group's questions. This one was one of the last ones we did of the year. It was a little more in-depth, so I used it to try to come up with the writing activity to attach that to the interviewing skills, to the polling skills, to the coming up with the whole. But we still recorded it in pieces, and I still edit it on my phone. I could show you how easy that is, but it would probably take too long. 
So, yes, come together. You would be surprised. Now, sometimes I've got my phone and I'm going around with my phone because I record it right on my phone and I'm doing this bit. <laughs> and this person's talking, you know, and then I go to the next person. <laughs> you know, and so, but all those pauses that it might take me because I usually I don't stop the recording. I have had to this year because this year is a little more, you know, you always have those classes. And I did. But you don't have to do the whole class at a time. If I were a kindergarten or a pre-K teacher, I might. So you drink this beautiful picture of your mother. Can you tell me what does your mother mean to you? You stop your recording. Go to the next person. I mean, you can do that, and then you edit that part out. All the editing's done here. It doesn't take fancy stuff. I did, 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 did. I could show you real easily. I'm not a big technology person. I don't take this into iMovie and do it in audio and set those levels and whatever. It's just right here, and then I publish it from here. So, um, so that's how I would do it. So yes, doable. I and then I want to get to seesaw because these level two projects. Let me. I'm gonna. This is the student learning journal. I'm gonna go ahead and play this video. This is where I put stuff. Whether it's a piece of paper that I've taken a picture of, that sign-in sheet, so that everybody can see it, I put it in the digital learning folder. Or I flip that podcast that we just did. This is them explaining it better than I could. Seesaw is a learning journal that empowers students to showcase what they're learning at school. Students each get their own journal and can easily add items just by taking a picture. You can also add video, drawings, or anything from the camera roll. Seesaw camera detects if it's being held steady before taking a picture. And two taps is all it takes to add a voice explanation, drawing, or text. Next, students pick their name from the class list and add the item to their journal. It's that easy. Students as young as five are using Seesaw with minimal teacher supervision. Teachers can browse items from the whole class or review a single student's work. Seesaw helps keep everything organized and in one place. Seesaw journals are accessible from anywhere, on iPads, iPhones, and on the web, making them great to refer back to for parent-teacher conferences, assessments, or student self-reflection. When teachers approve new items, parents are automatically notified, giving parents a personalized glimpse into their child's day and a conversation starter for later. Parents can view only their child's journal and student journals are completely private. Setting up your class takes just 30 seconds. Download Seesaw in the App Store and get started. You can set it up on your classroom computer. It is web-based, so everything, any device that you can get on that goes to the web, you can access it. You know, Android, iPhone, Chromebook, whatever. Um, you can add items as a teacher. You could have it just for you if that is where you're comfortable right now, and then eventually have your students add items. Yes. Is it would it work similar to the Google Classroom? Yes. You know, if you're going Google Apps, yes, yes, it does work similar to that. It is, um, and I haven't worked with Google Classroom um, or the Google Apps. Um, 
but yes. The biggest thing that I think is valuable here is that communication directly to the parents. I had two connected parents last year. That was my lifeline to them. I would share a picture, um, and I could show you examples. You know, we went on a fishing trip, and I shared a picture of Carter catching his fish. And I, before, I was in the bus on the way back, and I was just adding them because I did it on my phone in the bus, you know, adding all our pictures in to a folder that's called um, Classroom Community. Before we had even gotten back, I heard back from his mother going, and she had made a comment because you can allow comments or you can turn that off. There's a lot of things that you, as a teacher, have control over. She had said, oh, his dream is always to be to go fishing. I'm so happy for him. So, I mean, this is a parent that didn't graduate from high school, but yet she is getting immediate knowledge of something that her kid is doing right then and there. I know that um, Marcia said that you guys, especially in the older grades, had your kids involved in their parent-teacher conferences. This is why I do my parent-teacher conferences all the time. Show them examples of their student work, having hearing their student voice. I mean, this is the parent-teacher conference. You're doing it every time you add something to that portfolio. You're connecting with that parent. That parent can only see, and that parent can make comments back to you. I can also go into a student-teacher uh, view so that I can make comments back to the student that nobody else sees, like if I'm going to use it for corrective purposes. To me, this is all positive. You know, but there are times that this is how I grade my papers now. You put it into Seesaw, then I take my iPad home. I'm not taking the stacks of paper home. I'm doing everything from here. So, um, this is an example of Seesaw. You can add audio right into there. Um, so she took a picture of her fluency passage. We were studying electricity. This is uh, from the chapter book she was reading, you know, um, Mrs. Frizzle and learning about the atoms and stuff like that. And so this is, oh wait, go back. Um, this is not as long. But this is how I was getting her fluency example for that day. What makes an atom? Atoms are, ma are made of smaller particles called protons, neutrons, and electrons. Electrons contain a negative electric charge. Protons contain a positive electric charge. Neutrons don't have any charge. The protons and neutrons move together to make the nucleus. So right now, I'm just assessing her fluency skills. You know, the parent gets to hear that in their voice. I might use that as an example. I might say so, but it's all right there um, in that also, um, being able to assess student writing. So um, this is just, again, we were, were studying um, the best Christmas pageant ever. So my journal question to them was, um, what would you do if the Herdmans came into your classroom that day? And that was their writing assignment for that day. And so she wrote it on a piece of paper. She took a picture of it with her iPad. She loaded it into her portfolio, and then I go back and grade it. She has to read it in. Everything that my kids add in, they also have to record it in, give it a title, all of that. They know the procedure, you know? So, um, and then I get that. And then I'm able to go home. I can also record my comments back. I don't have to type them in. I can just audio record any comments that I make. I will try to be nice to the 
So again, she reads that. I could go in. I could circle words that she needs to, whatever. So I can assess where she is on this. Yep. You can also have her, like right now my students are watching and then they have to write three sentences. I would show them to, but it's a little scary. I'm a little scared that my students still don't know how to use a capital letter in a period, but we're working on it. Um, so, but they can, they can go back in. I can say, you need to check your spelling on this, this, and this. And they can go back in and edit that item. You can turn editing on, you can turn it off. You know, um, I have editing on because this is what they do. They go to their listening center. They listen to that part of the story. Actually, right now they're watching the movie. I've spliced the movie up. So we've read the book as a chapter together. They're watching the movie at the listening center. Then they have to record the three facts that they learned from that segment. Um, and then they put it into their notes in Seesaw. And then they each time they do that, they have to go into their notes. They have to edit it and then edit that out. So... Um, so this is narrated art so in you have the drawing feature in there so this is part of our listening center I was having them listening listen to a podcast on the um, International Space Station uh, there's a podcast for kids called Brains On and it had a whole segment on that so they had to listen to it and then they had to draw a picture of what they learned um, and then they had to audio record that so Carter has, anyway, I'm not going to have you listen to it, but Carter has done that. He's digitally drawn that with his finger on his iPad, you know, and then he loads it into his seesaw and then he records his voice telling me what he has learned. I think he learned here that it would be really cool uh, to eat food on the space station or something about astronauts going to the bathroom because that was fascinating to them as well. So, um, so this is all using that portfolio. So if you did nothing but get the Seesaw on your desktop computer, on your Chromebook, using your own phone, checking out that iPad and did that, that is huge, huge to do that having it available to center in our kindergarten classroom they're not one-to-one -one. they only have 10 but she uses them at center so you can take that this is easy enough that a kindergartner once they know the procedure which they know because they pick up procedures repetitively then you have them do that write down your spelling words take a picture of it in seesaw go in and circle the the um you know val ea words Boom, there you go, digital project, put it into your portfolio, you know, record your voice, tell me the words that have the, the long E sound and which vowel pattern you did. There you go. Uh, let's see, where was I? I just got out of my presentation. mode. All right, I know some of you are about to leave. And these are some examples, um, quick edit videos. Um, there is a project in here. Uh, how many of you like word clouds? Do you work, do word clouds with your students? Um, you can do them. There's a lot of them online that you, you collect, you know, your vocabulary words. Or, or in this case, we were doing character traits. And so I use ABCA. Do you use ABCA? That's a great word. There's an app, a free app. I've done it on the computer as well where you create word clouds. Um, they were doing their own character traits here. Um, 
And Abraham is reading his character traits in his own verse, talking about, and these are the things that talk about him. Um, this is the app, Word Cloud, but you can also go to wordcloudsabca.com. I, I found a cute one when we were doing bats, and we did our bat vocabulary, and it was actually in the shape of a bat. So that was kind of fun. Um, and there that is. Photo Collage is another great project. Pick Collage, if you're working on iPads, is a great app. It's free. It also has a safe search for images inside. And so you can use an example of some of the collages that my students have done. Um, we were doing a Lego Tower Challenge in STEM. We were also, this is part of our electronic unit. We were creating electrical circuits, creating our own jitterbots. And so they had to take pictures of their project and then they had to go back in and explain how they created their project or whatever using pic collage. You're going Google. Um, you can also, it's really easy to, to take pictures and just slide them in to a Google document. So to create a photo collage, but another great way to have students, um, you can have them do something in order, you know, sequencing skills and have them do that in pictures. I've been in a workshop where we, um, we had to tell the story of the three little bears in sequence using five pictures, using whatever, you know, materials were available in the classroom. It's a real A-plus kind of thing, you know, but you could do that using a um, photo collage app paper slide video. I think this was a level two or level three project, but a paper slide video is mainly, I brought mine here. Again, we just finished this bats. So all the students took their bat facts. This is another digital project, drew their pictures, and then we used the phone, my phone, and made a paper slide video using this. Um, I could show you on this workshop, which you have access to this, all these examples are there. So I'm breezing through this stuff. But if you want to go back and see examples on here, they're all going to be there. Um, this is a video right here that tells you how to do a paper slide video. Okay, we won't watch it now. Um, but then this is our paper slide video that we created. Okay. I flip this into their digital portfolio so the students still have access to it. But I also have a channel on my webpage. I have a YouTube channel that I upload this to. So that, yes? I just have it. You're with Positive Tomorrow? Mm -hmm. So when the kids leave your school, mm -hmm. can they still access this if they ever get a chance that to go is, back to? I'm just thinking. They cannot that access. That is a beautiful question. Um, they cannot access. Their, they could if their parents had their digital portfolio. It costs parents, it's free to teachers. Um, however, that is exactly why I have a YouTube channel. That is exactly why I maintain a classroom webpage because that is always there. And yes, I have students from years past that will come in and watch a video that we've made as a class and say, I remember this. I remember, I love to come back and watch this and leave me comments. So I drill into my kids, classroom.shellyfryer.com, no matter where you are, classroom.shellyfryer.com. You can go to the library, classroom.shellyfryer.com, and they could go to our classroom YouTube channel and, and watch this stuff. That is, that is outside Sherry, and that is why I think it is so important to have those um, pathways for sharing outside of your classroom. 
And yes, there are challenges to that. You need to know what your school district has set up, what the policies of your building are, who your red shirts are. I have students in serious domestic violence issues. I cannot publish their pictures. I know who my red shirts are. It is my number one job to keep those students safe, but their audio is allowed. Their picture um, that they drew of their bat is allowed. They are still a part of our classroom community. Gabriella, whose voice you heard at the beginning of that, she's a red shirt. Serious domestic violence issues. But I can publish her voice and I can publish her picture of, not her face picture, but her picture of a bat talking about echolocation, you know? So those kinds of things. And Seesaw, by the way, is inside sharing. You can choose to share it outside but you, again, as the teacher, make those decisions that to safely share it or to print it and hang it up in your hall or to put it out there on Facebook or Twitter, which is a possibility. Parents have the ability to do that, too. But then that they've done that. You haven't. So, anyway, paper slide video taken with my phone. Uh, so, how can you use technology to enrich assessment? I would do a quick pair chair, but we've got like seven minutes. But don't say I don't have technology in my classroom. We don't have access. You have a phone in your pocket, whether it's an iPhone or a or an Android phone. You can do a technology project right now with your class. It's just like swimming. Is swimming dangerous? Absolutely. Students get in there and drown every year, right? Adults when they're, you know, at the lake, drowned. But do we all need to learn how to swim? Absolutely. And am I ready to jump off the 10-foot meter board? Probably not. But I might dip my toe in the water. Or with my swimming coach, I might wade in, and I might do some beginning strokes or flutter kicks or whatever. It's like swimming, using technology in your classroom. It can be dangerous, but there are ways with help and encouragement that we can all begin to, to fit that into our lives and into our classrooms. My main number one goal for you is to see technology as a way for enriched assessment, to get your kids excited about learning. My number one goal in my classroom is to help my students love learning again. I want them to love learning. And doing this gets them excited. And it lets them hear their voices. They know that they can't read. But when they can say that a bat lives in a crevice and caves and all of that, then they feel like they're a part of it again and a part of this classroom. And their voices matter. And their voices can be heard. And that is huge. And our job as teachers is to share that inside the classroom, inside our building, but outside as well. So anyway, we have about five minutes. I know some of you are leaning. Any questions? It went fast. I knew it would. But you have that QR code. There's also that bit.ly link, a shortened link, ideas with Shelly, bit.ly slash ideas with Shelly. It's just the cutesy thing I could come up with. Um, but anyway, I am also two blocks away. 
If you guys want extra help, call me. I would be glad to come over and 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 walk you through getting set up with opinion or doing a paper slide video. And you say classroom.shellyfryer.com. Let me go to it real fast now that I'm done with this. Here is my classroom webpage. Here is our classroom radio show. This is our classroom YouTube channel. This is our pictures that I am allowed to put on the internet. This is all of my workshops that I do are also over here. So other workshops that I have done, iPad workshops, the whole presentation is there. Take it, do it, present it to somebody else, steal it, whatever. I, that's why it's there. It's public. Um, down here are just some videos that we've done. This is the one right here. Mrs. Fryer's class is grateful for it all. This is my student that is frequently not in school because they live in a motel. Oh, shoot. I'm audio recording this and I need to, I forgot. Um, so anyway, that he gets online. He has his own computer. He has an Xbox that goes to the web. He watches our stuff whenever he's, his sister I have in class this year. She says, you know, Mrs. Fryer, whenever I'm not at school, I'm on Shelly Fryer, you know, classroom.shellyfryer.com because right there are all of her links that she needs for reading or whatever. She's still a part of our classroom, even when they can't get to school that day. So it's huge, it's huge. Thank you. Thank you. Please contact me, I'd love to help. You're listening to Fuel for Educational Change Agents, an audio podcast channel including a variety of audio recordings by and recorded by Wesley Fryer, published for educators worldwide interested in free audio-based professional development. This is a supplementary podcast channel complementing Moving at the Speed of Creativity podcast, which typically includes longer and lightly edited or unedited audio recordings. Learn more and access these podcasts on audio.speedofcreativity.org. All content on this podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States license.